All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Liam McCollum Show. Today, I have Danny Long on again. Um, for people who haven't listened to my previous episode with her, it's one of my most listened to um, that is outside of my Scott Horton interviews. So that's a huge feat for Danny. Congrats, Danny, for getting all those listeners. Um, we also got some press on it. I think a few journalists reached out um, and, and they were sharing it around. Um, so yeah, th this is a really big story. And for every anyone who hasn't listened to my previous podcast with her, um, I'll link to that. And then uh, please go watch that before you watch this one. And today we're just going to have Danny... Um, give an update. Uh, I had her on last time to talk about her husband. Um, her husband is in the military and the Pentagon has had a vaccine mandate. Um, and, and she told her story and what they were going through last time. And I just wanted to bring her on and, and have her tell an update as to what's going on. So welcome, Danny. Thanks for coming on again. And do you want to just uh, maybe summarize what happened uh, last time, what we talked about last time, and then um, give an update as to where we are now. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, first and foremost, I always start by saying my views and opinions are my own. I do not represent the Air Force or the DOD in any capacity. This is our personal experience and what we are going through and views and opinions are my own. So last time you had me on was November and that was about three months after the mandate, the COVID-19 mandate kicked off. My husband was routing a religious accommodation against the COVID-19 vaccine. And when we spoke, he had his initial accommodation denied and he was putting in an appeal. And so he put in his appeal and that came back the end of December, also denied a blanket, blanket generic language. Clearly nobody looked at his package or read his package or anything like that. Um, also in December, they came out with a policy where they said he was a danger to the force and he could not be doing any training any longer, even if it was online. He could not have college tuition. Um, he's working on a degree in cybersecurity. He could not have college tuition. Um, it was considered formal training, no formal training. So they pulled him from a lot of courses he needed to be eligible for promotion. And the Air Force regulations say that when you are routing a religious accommodation, you are not to be held back from opportunities in any capacity. So they were violating their own regulations and pulling him off of training that he needed and not allowing him to attend college courses. Some of the training he could have gone to was virtual and online um, learning, distance learning, and he said, well, why, why aren't you letting me go to online learning classes, but you're having me instruct in person? Because he is a survival specialist and he was still taking pilots and air crew out in the field and training them in person. Um, so as soon as he said that, you know, this doesn't make sense. This isn't adding up um, what's going on. Like, why can't I? take college classes but you're still having me train in person it's like he was only a threat to the force when it was um convenient for them and anyway so he routed um a complaint and within days of that complaint they pulled him from his job and they took his leadership position away from him they basically shoved him in a broom closet and that's where he's been since just shuffling around and we are 
almost, we're a couple weeks away from this being one year um, since they enacted the mandate. So it's just, you know, we're still here. And um, he got his appeal denial and they said, you have five days to, to get the shot or you can volunteer to separate. Well, he can't volunteer to separate because he's in a critically manned career field. They're very low in numbers. And so if he routed a request to volunteer to separate, they would deny it and say, we cannot let you go because of manning. And then they're going to proceed to kick him out. So they won't let him go, but they'll kick him out. Um, so he received his first bad paperwork in his 18-year career. He got an LOR, letter of reprimand. Um, he appealed that. They, they went on with issuing it. He's been given another letter of reprimand. They had him signed up for separation classes. They refused to give him separation paperwork. Um, they wanted him to take classes. And so he's been signed up for separation classes. And just two weeks ago, there was a federal injunction in one of the Air Force cases um, that halted all, halted all punitive punishment and discharges. So currently he is in a holding pattern while this court case is being litigated. Okay, yeah. So last time we talked, this was, um, the episode came out november 12th 2021 mm -hmm. and at this point i think you were in the appeals process so yeah. you mentioned a few things um a couple of things that happened in december he was um stripped of all of his titles is that is that correct is that what you mm -hmm. said yeah so he was um that was the beginning of january he um is the squad boss if you will of um, about a six-man crew and he's the boss. And they basically said, you're going to be removed. So we need to hand your shop over to somebody who is not going to be getting letters of reprimand. So his shop went over to a vaccinated member. And um, yeah, and he was just mo moved from his crew. And that's been really hard from him because they're a very tight knit community. And the worst thing you can do to somebody who's going through a lot mentally is to isolate them. And that's exactly what's happened. He's in a, he's in a broom closet, basically. It's not really a broom closet, but you know, it's this little office. Um, the other interesting thing that has happened is he actually is in this office with a few pilots and he shares this office with them. It's smaller space. They don't have to, no one has to wear a mask anymore. And it's okay if he's, sits in the office next to these people all day but the second they would go to the woods to do training all of a sudden COVID's a threat again and my husband can't go do training with them so it's just there's like nonsensical policy after nonsensical policy and I think that's just what's been so frustrating about the whole process is none of it makes sense yeah so if he if he was uh put in this broom closet as you say what are his duties like if, if he was sort of so what, what is he doing day to day? Nothing. He's literally wasting taxpayer dollars at this point. Um, he, you know, he finds little things to do. There's a couple like things he's worked on, some personal recovery plans, stuff like that, PR planning. Um, but day to day, there's not a lot happening. And 
it's like they forgot about him and it's really been interesting I think and a lot of people are like oh you know use this time to work on your degree and he's like I can't even do that I can't even have college tuition um or tuition assistance so nothing about this makes sense and I think that's what I kept saying earlier when I talked to you the first time is nothing about this makes sense like the policies do not match the situation and just the other day we saw the CDC come out with new guidelines and the military has had so many opportunities to off ramp and take an exit um they have 28 lawsuits against them right now and they keep losing you know injunctions are happening the navy has an injunction Air Force has an injunction. It's very likely the Marines will be getting an injunction this week. The Coast Guards are lined up. Like it is just one domino after another. You'd think they'd take a pause and reevaluate, but they are just on the gas full steam ahead. Yeah, just talking about all of those contradictions and how nothing really makes sense. Last time you you told a few stories, like for instance, someone who I think was on maternity leave or mm -hmm. they were about to leave and i think they were about to leave the military entirely yes um do you want to rehash that story just really quick so people can kind of see the absurdities that are going on yeah it's just one of hundreds i mean people don't even believe it when i sit and tell them um the one i shared last time was the woman was on maternity leave when the mandate dropped and she was planning on separating from the service after her 12 weeks maternity leave. This is very common um, for female service members to take their 12 weeks maternity leave. And upon completion of that, they go ahead and start their terminal leave, which is any leave they have saved up over their career. And then they transition out of the military. So she was being harassed and called in her home during her maternity leave to get this shot or show proof of this vaccination. And she was just like, you know, why? This doesn't make sense. I'm getting out. Um, but basically what has happened is a commander has a roll call of people in his squadron or who he's in charge of. And it shows, you know, who's vaccinated and who's not. And it's almost like it's a competition to see who has a 100% vaccination rate. And they don't take into account um, situations like this woman who was on maternity leave. All they know is that they're not at 100% and they want to be promoted. And it doesn't reflect well on them if they don't have 100% compliance. Um, so it's just been a heavy handed mandate that has just been nonsensical. And when I talked to you last, I was very frustrated because things like that just did not make sense. People who have had religious accommodations for shots in the past, my husband had medical or exemptions in the past, you know, those people were not even being considered for this exemption. And I was just like, this doesn't make sense. This is so frustrating. Nothing's adding up. Well, I think maybe two months after I spoke with you, um, we discovered that the DOD is actually conducting a study um, on mRNA technology. And they are doing active surveillance, surveillance on military members, civilian members, including family members. So that means if you are in the military health system and you received an mRNA um, vaccine, 
you are being monitored and actively having your data collected right now on experimental medicine and mRNA technology. They are studying the effects of mRNA technology on myocarditis and pericarditis. And so in this study, I wrote down the study number. It is study um, C4591011. And as soon as I found out about that study, it's like the clouds parted. I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like, finally, I have an answer why none of this has made sense. And there's just been this on the gas push. And then when I discovered that, I was like, there it is. Like, that is what is going on here. Um, so now, because of that, I've kind of been able to have like a comical outlook on it, where it's just... It's not funny, but it's also funny. The push is nothing to do with COVID and it's nothing to do with health. Yeah, that, that kind of brings up another question I was going to ask um, about just how, how you guys are doing and also, um, I guess, relating to spouses and, and the families of military members. Um, like, how have things been for you? Because I know last time you you summarized a little bit about how the military was treating spouses. Or has that changed at all? Um, it yes. It, the winter the winter of severe illness and death was a little bit dodgy for a minute because you know they were still saying you know spouses can't attend these events. There have been spouses locked out of retirement ceremonies graduations, things like that because of their vaccination status. That has personally not affected me too much, again, because we are in Florida and Florida has been pretty open this entire time. And I think the commanders on our base would have a very hard time imposing some heavy handed rules onto spouses when you can go off base and there's no restrictions whatsoever anywhere, you know? Um, so I don't think our base was willing to kind of go that route, which I'm thankful for, but there's definitely been some things that have been happening that has just been really sad. Um, Hawaii, for example, they threw a Christmas party for the children because they leaked jet fuel into their water supply. And so families were displaced in a hotel. And so they said, we're going to do a Christmas party for the kids. And people were very excited got down there and lo and behold, there was a mandate. So if those spouses did not have a COVID-19 vaccine card, they were not allowed to attend the Christmas party and their children were turned away. Um, so that's, you know, stuff like that happened over the winter. Um, it is obviously loosened up now that, you know, restrictions everywhere have loosened up, but it's just, something I've never seen before and I hope I never see it again. And, and to talk about um, your husband, uh, you said that he, he's kind of isolated right now and that's, that's tough mm -hmm. for him because yeah. he's with his, um, his group. Uh, does he have anyone that is around him that agrees with him and that is supportive? Is there like a, a movement within the military right now that are resisting the mandates that he can kind of look to? There's such a big movement. I'm so proud of everybody. I just, I don't even want to, oh, I could just cry. I'm so proud of us. You know, the government has been running counterinsurgency operations for 20 years. And lo and behold, all these people are using those exact same tactics that they learned over the last 20 years to network 
together. Our groups are just so encouraging. Um, we have so many people holding the line and the DOD is not wanting to be forthcoming on the actual numbers, um, but they are astronomical. And he does have people in his work center who are holding the line. The number is not as high as it originally was. Um, he does have people who encourage him and literally everybody is rooting for him leadership on down everybody is rooting for him but the problem is is nobody up on top wants to put a target on their back nobody wants to stand up and say this is wrong and the people who did stand up and say this is wrong they're no longer in charge anymore you're you have to shut up to get along you know kind of thing and my husband has his tagline has been cowards all like this whole time He's like, you know, so-and-so is a nice guy, but he's a coward um, because people aren't willing to take the stand that they need to take. And they don't really know what to do with him at this point, because all along he said, this is illegal. What you're doing is illegal because it is. Um, and, and we can get into that a little bit with the EUA shot versus FDA approved Um you know, anthrax happened not that long ago, only 20 years ago when they were experimenting on troops with the anthrax shot and they were taken to court and the court decided that they cannot use troops as experiments and they have to consent to emergency use products. To this day, we do not have FDA approved products available on military installations. So what they're doing is wrong on many levels. It's illegal um, on that level. And it's also illegal because they're violating RIFRA, which is the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act. And um, so he's been telling people all along, this is illegal, this is wrong, showing them documentation, showing them laws in black and white. And he comes home and he's like, am I the only one who knows how to read? You know, this is very clear. This is very evident. And when the federal injunction happened, um, you know, people were surprised. And I don't know how people are surprised because every step of the way he has presented evidence to them, to the JEGs on base. JEG is the military lawyers, essentially. And they have um, shut him down. So, and some JEGs have even gone on to say that the law is irrelevant in this situation. So that's kind of where we are at. We are, um, we are dealing with the cancer within the military of people who are turning a blind eye to the law because they're trying to push an agenda through. So you, you mentioned the anthrax case, and mm -hmm. um, I think we can kind of tie that to this study that you mentioned. Um, so is that study that you mentioned earlier in the in the podcast um it's it's being done by the DOD? Yes. So do you foresee do you foresee something like that happening again where I mean if it is illegal to experiment on troops do you foresee that coming up again? Um well we're doing anthrax 2.0 right now. It's it's happening as we speak. They are um, giving emergency use products, experimental products to troops and their family members without proper informed consent um, and monitoring them and monitoring the rates of myocarditis and pericarditis. 
And it's like the law only works if you hold people accountable to it. Like the law is there, but then you have to be willing to stand and fight all the way to make sure that it is followed. So we are living through anthrax 2.0, in my opinion. Um, will it be righted in the future? That remains to be seen because we have seen a lot of lawlessness um, during this administration. So it if we have good judges who do their jobs and apply the law as they should, then um, maybe we will see some movement. But the problem is, is it's never going to be righted. It will never be put back together. It's like when you, you break a glass jar, it's shattered and you can't put it back together. It's never going to be the same. And, you know, people in my husband's leadership told him, well, you know, if this mandate goes away, we can, we can take your LORs back. It won't be a big deal. We'll just pretend they didn't happen. And he's like, but I didn't get promoted last year because I wasn't allowed to attend these trainings. Um, you have sent me and my family to mental health counseling because of the stress you have put us under. And he has lost all trust all faith in the institution that he faithfully served for 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 I guess uh, 18 years so it's never going to be right you know even if legally at the end of the day um, his stance is validated and there's vindication it's never going to be put right again and last year when I talked to you and we were kind of at the beginning of this everybody was fighting so hard because they wanted to stay in. They wanted to stay in. They wanted to keep serving. They wanted to finish their careers. Um, you know, they loved their country. And there was this fight to fight for their careers. And now nobody wants to stay in. Like nobody. We have people who are opting out of the injunction and they're pulling their religious accommodation and they're wanting to be kicked out. We have people who are just hoping that they can get to the end of their service commitment and separate with their benefits intact. We have people who are not reenlisting. People are getting out in droves over the shot mandate. And my husband was sent to um, TAPS course, which is a transition assistance program. And there were 30 people in his class and they run these classes every week. Everybody was getting out over this mandate even if they got the shot, even if, you know, they could move forward in their career, they have no desire to. So we went from everyone wanting to stay in, fighting to stay in, to everybody just wanting to get out with benefits that are due them and parting ways. It's been an ugly, nasty divorce and everybody is just done. Yeah, that brings up something that I was... Um going to ask you about the uh so as people who listen to my podcast probably know i'm i'm a libertarian i am mm -hmm. a non-interventionist when it comes to foreign policy but i do believe in strong defense so I, I believe we we should have people here um defending our country but i i'm i'm not in favor of um a lot of the offensive wars that we've been going on and uh mm -hmm. regardless of whatever everyone else um thinks about that they that you can disagree with me on that what is currently very naive of of the administration is we are at 
I think historically low enlistment and and they're continuing to to kick people out of the military or or people are um, continuing to leave the military because of this mandate. And then um, a lot of the the propaganda videos that they're sending out there are appealing to LGBT people. Um, uh, like a lot of the military ads are pride videos. Um, and and I just think th there's not very much appeal right now. And at the same time, um, the Biden administration is ramping up tensions with both China and Russia and Iran and Afghanistan um, again. So do you and your husband have any concerns about this? Um, is is there any worry in the military that that our administration is um, just running into a conflict that we might not have the the manpower to actually stand up against, um, whether we should or shouldn't. It's it's just a question of could we? Yeah, I have so many thoughts, and I'm trying to think of how to like delicately like word it. Mm -hmm. um, our leadership is completely tone deaf. They are completely out of touch. Um, my husband is tired of being told he's a racist, sexist, what, whatever. They do all these trainings all day long on, you know, pronouns in your email, you know, stuff like that. And it's, there's been very little time actually working on perfecting um, their skills and getting ready for, you know, whatever is coming next. Um, we are throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars in sign-on bonuses at kids. I think the Navy's offering $115,000 in sign-on bonuses to people. The Army was dropping the GED requirement. They are desperate to pull people in. And I have great concerns about kicking out anybody who is willing to stand up and say, uh, what you're doing is actually illegal and I'm not going to go along with it. Well, at the same time, preying upon people who might be, you know, undereducated, don't have a GED and throwing gobs of cash at them. At that point, you are just hiring paid mercenaries for your military. Um, I don't foresee this ending well and I really wish civilians and you know people outside the military would understand what's happening a little bit better they are essentially purging anybody who will critically think anybody who will apply the law and you know they take an oath to serve the constitution the first amendment of the constitution is the right to religious liberty and you have all these older people or maybe some old salty veterans saying oh you got every other shot there's no religion against vaccines blah 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 but what they don't understand is your religious conviction can be that you are convicted that the dod is doing something illegal and you're not going to take part in it you know that can be something that you route an accommodation against so this is definitely, it's been referred to as a purge, and that's exactly what is happening. They do not want independent thinkers, they do not want critical thinkers, and they definitely do not want people who will stand up and say, what you're doing is illegal, and I will not participate in it. So there's some major concerns there. And the other thing, you know, when you talk about 
being a libertarian, it's kind of interesting because when we went into war with, you know, the early 2000s um, into Iraq and Afghanistan, a bulk of the people who are holding the line were fresh out of high school. You know, a lot of people holding this line are right around 20 years. Um, they were patriotic. They were angry about 9-11. Um, and they went into this and they served their country and they believed in what they were doing. And then we're watching things happen and we're watching things happen within the DOD. And then we're watching how Afghanistan went down last year, a year ago. And we're watching Ukraine and we're watching, you know, people who have invested interest in stocks that they didn't divest um, run the military. And we're starting to like connect the dots a little bit of, oh, this was probably all going on 20 years ago. Um, so there's been like a deconstruction happening of everything that a lot of these people joined the military, what they believed, how they served, everything that they believed in is just kind of unraveled this last year. Um, starting with Afghanistan, followed by this mandate. Um, so we are talking about moral injuries, PTSD, just adding up because these people are having to deconstruct their entire belief system and um, really reevaluate the country that they're serving and how they're serving. And that is why people are leaving in droves, in my personal opinion. They are leaving in droves because they do not want to go to some proxy war over in Ukraine. Yeah, I, I grew up in a very um, conservative home and had a lot of reverence for the military and a lot of respect for the culture. I, I just know a lot of veterans um, and there there's something to this idea that that I've learned that like you can you can kind of still keep your identity and also acknowledge that that the way that the the politicians have been abusing our veterans um mm -hmm. and abusing our um the people in the military it's it's very obvious and uh, i i so i have this book right here enough already by mm -hmm. scott horton mm -hmm. um anyone who hasn't read it should or listen to the audiobook on on audible um and i've been to a few of these events with him and and scott is um uh he's like a a, he, he calls himself a skater kid like he he wasn't mm -hmm. in the military or anything but when you go to these events there are veterans in the crowd um I, i've been to a couple of these and and the veterans end up coming up and talking to him after and they all agree and um i think the the scariest part about what's happening is that um they're, they're getting rid of people who who critically think um, who have critical thinking skills so it they will be able to or they will take orders at home to enforce tyranny mm -hmm. at home but also that we're we're just weakening any um power that we might have abroad and i think that there our officials are still living in a time where they think that we can beat like global powers and i just don't think that that's the mm -hmm. case i don't think that we have the military might right now to take on russia or china let alone nuclear strikes <laughs> um so mm -hmm. i yeah I, morale it, is so morale is so down you know like morale i've never seen morale this low afghanistan was a huge blow 
to people last year. Um, and, you know, th there are people who are, you thought that they would do 25 years or 30 years. And even those people are just done. They're just hitting the button and getting out because they don't have any trust in the institution anymore. And it's for, I know my husband has done seven deployments and he has missed all kids' birthdays, holidays, all the things. And I speak for many other spouses when I say we felt like the sacrifice he was making at the time was worth it. Like we felt like it was worth it. And spouses do not feel that way anymore. They do not feel like their husband missing out on their lives is worth it anymore. And they are telling them I'm done. And so people are getting out because if you don't have your family and your spouse behind you, it's impossible to keep serving. So people are getting out in droves and the, it's going to take years to build our strength back up after this. And the fact that they have not off-ramped this mandate um, just really concerns me. Like, is, is that the entire plan? Yeah. Like, yeah. I worry about that. Is, well, that is, is that the whole point? And that's, that's kind of the picture that I just wanted to paint is that um, imagine them naively trying to get into conflict with Russia and China now and um, what could come of that regardless of whether you think we should get involved with Russia and China even if you do believe we should um, what could come of that if we don't have the strong military that that we used to um, I, I don't think we should get involved but even if I if I did I would be advocating against these policies because we just do not have the strength and and I worry of what what war could look like at home um, and the tyranny that could look like that we could have at home um, because people are leaving in droves. But uh, I do want to move on to the the whistleblower thing um, that you sent me. There there was a big document that you sent me. Um, mm -hmm. I I didn't get the chance to read a lot of it. Um, so why don't you just go ahead and and kind of explain what that is. And, and we can just jump into it. So this is about 12 months of like collecting data. Um, it's some whistleblowers in the military who have gotten together and drafted this letter basically to present to the Armed Forces Committee and members of Congress. Now, I do want to say we have all been beating down Congress members' doors this entire time. We had a call campaign last summer and we logged over 2 million calls to the Armed Service Committee and it's been to no avail. Nobody is listening to us. Nobody is helping us. There are a few representatives that have really been in the fight for us, but largely we have been ignored. We have done congressional inquiries. We have said what is happening is illegal and nobody is helping. Um, which does not surprise me because I believe Pfizer is the number six owned stock amongst Congress members. So I'm sure they're all invested in that. Um, so what that document that I sent you is, is these whistleblowers, they're people who could um, get into data, um, you know, within the military system. And it's basically saying that what is happening is illegal. And we can fight this from the religious standpoint and the First Amendment all day long. But what people do not understand is 
the logistics of it is illegal. They are not providing an FDA approved product. And so this document is about 41 pages and it starts from August um, dealing with the Secretary of Defense's order to get an FDA approved um, mandate and then kind of goes through on how they have been implementing and getting away with providing emergency use products and giving that to military members, but passing it off as if it were FDA approved. So then um, when they have been called on that, you know, they've been saying it's interchangeable, it's interchangeable. Well, it's not interchangeable legally. Um, and, you know, we actually don't know what the formula is in the emergency use authorized one because under emergency use, they can, they can adjust the formula at any time. Um, so it's very interesting that the military took a bold stance of that the formulations are the same and they are the same product medically. They're just legally distinct because you can't really say that if, if Pfizer is allowed to tweak uh, emergency use authorization formula. So, And there would be no way for you or for us to know how they've tweaked it, right? Like that's not, that, um, that's not public? No, I don't believe so. All the ingredients list that I've been able to dig up and we've been able to dig up are mostly redacted. Um, so maybe there's people out there with access, obviously, that I don't have that can look at the ingredients list. Um, but it's just a very bold move for them to say that they are 100% interchangeable in the same formula when you don't know that for sure. But even if they are, they are legally distinct. And Pfizer is protected from lawsuits if injury or death occurs, if somebody opted to take an emergency use authorized product. So I'm going to link to this document in the description of this video, and I might mm -hmm. even um, put some uh, images up in the video if I find anything. Mm -hmm. But if, if you yeah. can recall any of the documents, what are some of the most glaring things in the, the whistleblower leak? Is, is there anything in particular that when you were reading it, you were like, whoa, that's pretty huge? Well, no, because I've known this all the time. Like <laughs> okay. Our networks have been tracking this like a bloodhound. So when they actually put this package together and I read it, it was nothing new to me because we are all tracking this. Um, but people outside the military, even people in the military, um, everybody got their shot and they just moved forward. And for example, we at church, we're in a community that is largely military. And I will have people come up and ask me what's going on, like where's John in the process, all the things. And I will say something in regard to the um legality of this whole thing apart from religious stuff just the legality of the product and their eyes just glaze over the information gap is so wide people cannot keep up and even not that i expect people to keep up with something that's not really affecting their lives but there's just so much information that it's impossible to keep up unless you're living in it so what happened was, is we collectively have been fighting this the whole time. Like we have been going into the clinic saying, can I see the product? Can I see the vial? Can I see the box? Where's the informed consent? Where's the package? And they can't provide that. They have even told members that they're not allowed to show them the vial. 
And it's like, how can you have informed consent of a product if you won't even let them see the vial that they're pulling this product out of that they're going to inject into their arm? That's not informed consent. Um, so people have been documenting what was offered to them, what their clinics had available. Um, the DOD tried to push out a thing that there was BLA compliant. I've never heard the term BLA compliant before. They said there was like seven lots that were BLA compliant and they would were like still labeled EUA, but they were technically approved. And we had such a, a lot at our clinic, but it was manufactured on July 2nd, which was six weeks before the FDA approved it. Because when you have an FDA approved product, it needs to be made in an FDA approved facility. Obviously it was made prior to the approval. So that is not legally good in my opinion. Um, So they tried to like say that they had in their court cases, they tried to say, no, we have enough BLA compliant product. And then when that argument started crumbling, that argument kind of crumbled in May because there was a lawyer who was representing a Navy SEAL at his discharge board. And that Navy SEAL was just getting kicked out. He didn't route a religious accommodation. He just said, this is illegal. You don't have the right product. Um, so you cannot mandate me to take it. The president hasn't signed a waiver, you know, waiving my informed consent. So there's no problem here. So they were going to kick him out and they did his board of inquiry, which is where they have, it's like kind of like a trial, but it's not like they have um, some peers and they present the evidence and the, the, the board meets and decides if they want to retain you, which means keep you in, you did nothing wrong, or if they're going to kick you out. Well, they were mind blown to find out that there's no FDA approved product and that this Navy SEAL was never offered an FDA approved product and they voted to retain him. His lawyer is incredibly savvy and he pushed out a press release saying, my client so-and-so, he was retained, this is why. And within a week of his press release, all of a sudden we started having um, I forget how they pronounce it, Corminati. We had Corminati approved or Corminati labeled vaccines started appearing on bases. And they kept putting it in quotation marks. They kept saying, we now are offering Corminati labeled vaccines. And I was like, well, that's weird that they keep putting labeled in quotation marks. Um, so it, part of that whistleblower report is people have been calling Pfizer and asking about this lot number. Like, where did this product come from? Is it really the FDA approved product? And if it is the FDA approved product, then why do we still have emergency use products in circulation? Um, And they discovered that they were importing um, Corminati from France in a non-FDA approved um, facility. So the DOD just keeps like, if, if this is all true, you know, this is all alleged, but we've really been doing our homework on them. They're just taking a hold deeper and deeper and deeper. And each time I think we have hit like peak uh, lawlessness, peak um, corruption, it's like we transcend into a new level. And so now they have Corminati labeled vaccines available with very questionable origin. Yeah, and I'll I'll include the photos of that little box and the the vial you included that in the or that's mm-hmm. included in the document. 
and yeah. it just says community uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. And I looked it up and it's so it's somehow related to Pfizer. Uh, is this, so is this something that was approved in um, France that they're now transporting here that isn't approved? Is that kind of the idea? So Quarminati has always been available in some of the European countries. That was their version of emergency use. Like in the United States, we had Pfizer BioNTech, but in some of the other countries, their version of Pfizer BioNTech was Quarminati and it's under like European emergency use, I believe. Now don't quote me on that, but the point is, is if they are importing it from France and trying to say it is uh, FDA approved, um, that's questionable, you know, because it wasn't, you know, wasn't manufactured in an FDA approved facility. Um, what's up? So that's kind of what the whistleblower whole report is on the, the links they're going to try to uh, tie up loose ends, if you will. And, um, it's alarming and I'm very curious to see what the explanation for all this is going to be and what the outcome is going to be, but it doesn't look good. Yeah. And there's another document included in, in the report, um, that is about, Senator Ron Johnson's uh, Mm -hmm. investigation into the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. Are you Mm -hmm. familiar with that process and and um, what the status is of that investigation? Um, So in January, uh, Senator Ron Johnson had a a COVID roundtable and he had a lot of military whistleblowers. And what they had done is they had pulled the numbers from the DMED, which is the military medical system. And it showed skyrocketing increases of miscarriages, uh, cancers, myocarditis, pericarditis, um, strokes, heart attack, like all these things um, just skyrocketed this last year. And they pulled five years worth of data to compare it to. And they had this big round table where they kind of blew the whistle on this DMED data. DMED data is better than VAERS um, because a doctor has to put it in. A doctor has to diagnose you um, with a condition and then put it in. And DEMA data is actually used um, by a lot of, you know, scientific journals and stuff like that because it's it's pretty good data as far as, you know, the military has your weight, your height, your sex, your race, they, your blood type. They have everything on you. And so for them to be kind of tracking medical conditions, it's a very good system to compare things to. So it's used in scientific journals. Well, as soon as Senator Johnson had that round table where DMED data was presented, um, the DOD tried to say that um, they didn't know it, but there was a glitch in the system for the last five years and it was discovered and now it's gonna like self-correct. So they um, tried to sweep it under the rug, saying that it was some glitch that was went unnoticed for, you know, five plus years, and then just happened to be noticed after that whistleblowing conference. And then just the other day, they pulled the DMAD data again, 
in August and, and the rates of myocarditis are up like 225% in the military. And this is in 2001. So they can't even pin it on COVID because it's up from 2020, which is when COVID was very prevalent. And, you know, people weren't being diagnosed with myocarditis then. And I happen to know several um, military members who have been diagnosed with myocarditis. So it's, it's a very real thing happening um, within the military. And it's, it's sad. And um, I don't know what the status is with Ron Johnson and his COVID um, roundtables, if they're still doing them. But I do know he is one of the few, if not one of the only senators who has really gone to bat for us. Um, him, Thomas Massey's been great. Uh, Gates pops in and out when it's popular and my opinion. Um, and we're actually in his district and we, you know, tried to get his attention for a long time on this. And it wasn't until we showed up to a rally in mass and, you know, asked him to give us the time of day. So uh, sometimes he'll pick us up and play with us and sometimes he won't. But Thomas Massey's been great. And uh, Ron Johnson have really, and Chip Roy, I believe out of Texas are some, some very few representatives who have really been uh, taking us seriously now are there any um you mentioned how there was like a round table of of whistleblowers are there any uh whistleblowers that are are going public like with their name and everything that that are present at these round tables or are these um do you know if these are anonymous uh there there is a lot so on the document i send you everybody put their name on that um there's a few doctors in the military who are whistleblowers and they um put their name on that as well um and it's just it's been very hard to get traction because the mainstream media doesn't want to give anyone time of day if it doesn't meet the agenda but i will say it has been interesting to watch the narrative shift within the mainstream media over the last year because a year ago every article that was published about people who were holding the line was very disparaging and very um, hostile and I've slowly seen the shift happening so that has been encouraging but it's a little bit too late um, Dan Crenshaw is another one that, you know, people, you know, cause he's a veteran. So people would really reach out to him and, you know, they were kind of ignored gaslit or whatever. And then lo and behold, I saw him on like Fox news a month ago, talking about what's happening in the military as if he's going to do something. And it's just frustrating because people were literally calling his office for a year with nothing and it's like they only pick it up to play with it when it might be advantageous to them or only when people start winning in the court or only when a public opinion is shifting and we have midterms coming up so we all very much feel like we are just a pawn um, to be used to gain political sway for midterms at this point and they keep saying you know well after midterms after a red wave comes we're gonna reinstate you nobody wants to be reinstated we wanted this stopped we wanted it stopped because if somebody gets kicked out they've already moved on they've already found a new job they've already relocated their family they're already trying to make the adjustment and get kids in new schools why would we want to be reinstated? 
why would we want to be kicked out, moved, getting settled, and then come back to this, come back to an abusive relationship? So they're, we're going to reinstate you. We're going to do this after, you know, midterms or after 24 or whatever. Um, you know, that's just, it's tone deaf. It's completely tone deaf. So is, um, I'm, I'm currently going through uh, Lieutenant Chad, is it Coppin? Um, uh, I would have to see it in front of me. Okay, but yeah. So it sounds familiar. It looks like he's he has written to um, Senator Ron Johnson, and I think is I think he must be one of the whistleblowers. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so it does look like a lot of people are going out publicly about the side effects, and um, all of this is within the the document that you sent me that I'll I'll link in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask about this document is uh, regarding the FOIA request, mm-hmm. um, and that is about community or however you mm-hmm. pronounce that. Uh, yeah. Is someone trying to appeal that FOIA request because they got back and they they simply said uh, there were no documents regarding that request? Um, I'm sure they're trying to appeal it. Okay. You know, um, the FOIA request. So we have, even when my husband's, I, I told you this in the last one, even when his RA package came back denied, they said, you need to, it was, they didn't give him his package. So he's like, I have no idea why it was denied, who denied it, what their reasons were, what the compelling government interest was. And they said, well, you need to file a FOIA request to get your documents. So he filed a FOIA request and it came back completely black. Like they blacked out everything. Um, People have also tried the Privacy Act because that's maybe a better avenue to go for if it's your own personal documents you're seeking. Um, Everything is coming back redacted. Everything is redacted. Nobody has, to my knowledge, nobody has actually gotten to look at their full religious accommodation package and see what the what the discussion was, what the reasons were, um, because they're redacting everything. So I don't know what they're hiding. I don't know if maybe they didn't even convey to like meet and talk about it and they're just blacking it out because they have nothing to show or if it's all blanket denial. Well, we already know it's all blanket denials, but so people are appealing their FOIA requests as well. So I'm sure people are appealing anything that is coming back redacted or not yielding information, but it's, you know, they keep telling you, use the complaints within the system, use the, you know, all the system complaints that are available to you, you need to exhaust them. And my husband has exhausted them. He has done IG complaints. He's done DOT IG complaints. He's done 138s against commanders. He has done um, FOIA requests, privacy requests, congressional inquiries, if there is a system of complaint out there, he has done it. And it has just been beating his head against a brick wall. Um, so it's, you know, they tell you use the system available to you, but they control that system. They control it. So you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, that's a that's a common thing with um, whistleblowers in the military. Uh, you, you often hear that they should go through the the right channels proper channels proper channels that's exactly how they phrase it i think snowden um it it was a similar story with him and then there was uh man i don't know why i'm blanking his name right now but he he just got uh sentenced to a few months in prison um 
he was the he was the guy who uh leaked the amount of drone strikes the amount of civilians Mm -hmm. killed in drone strikes yeah um so similar thing with with all of these whistleblowers is they uh they uh they're told to go through the proper channels and then they do but no one ever does anything about it so no um yeah and i I think to to kind of wrap up, um, you had mentioned the injunction. Um, do you want to talk about like the specifics of that case really quick and um, where you think it's heading and and what the status of it is? Well, yeah, I'm a little bit salty because my husband was in a case in the middle district of Florida, which is a great district to be in if you're going to be appealing up to the Supreme Court level, because uh, it's Clarence Thomas or Thomas Clarence's uh, area. So we were like, this is an awesome district. Um, but the, that judge severed the plaintiffs up into different branches because he said he could not reconcile um, doing an injunction for everybody because the army has barely begun to process their religious accommodations. So we knew that the Navy did blanket denials. We knew that the Air Force was doing blanket denials. We were pretty sure the Marines were, but the Navy hasn't, or sorry, the army hasn't really moved forward for once. They're the one that's kind of like slow rolling. Um, so that judge said, I cannot reconcile doing a DOD wide injunction because I I can't really prove that the army and the Coast Guard are doing blanket denials or whatever. So he severed the case up into branches. And the Navy SEALs in Texas had an injunction and then they extended that to the whole Navy. And so they were protected. They're currently protected under a Navy injunction. So there was three different major Air Force cases that were going kind of that were ongoing. There was one in Texas, one in Georgia, and then this one in Ohio. So I, I really wish it would have been the Georgia or the Texas case that got the injunction um, just because I felt a little more comfortable with those uh, circuits. Um, but this case in Ohio, it is on the First Amendment and that they're violating RIFRA. And the judge gave them, he said, hey, I'm doing a 14-day TRO. I'm going to do a TRO that you cannot kick people out for the next 14 days. And you need to give me a compelling argument as to why I should not make this an injunction while while we're being litigated. And the DOD came back with, like, the worst argument. Like, they are still talking, like, covid in the beginning. They are still saying that vaccines slow the spread. Um, that if you get the vaccine, you're you're not going to get sick. Like, like they act as if Omicron never happened, you know, where it was everybody got it and it was pretty mild, you know. So they're compelling government interests. They've never said what their compelling government interest is. Um, they've never laid out what is so compelling and what is the reason that the last remaining 5% of the Air Force needs to be vaccinated. And it's just interesting because what is happening is, as you know, you may know, uh, vaccine people are still catching it. They're still spreading it. Uh, My husband has on multiple occasions been sitting in his little empty office for weeks on his own because all of his coworkers are out with COVID. And he has, 
he's tested every week. He's tested every Monday. It is negative, 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 because he has natural immunity. Um, and his coworkers are out multiple times with COVID. So it's just asinine that they are still, their arguments are still stuck back, you know, in, in the Delta phase where, you know, it's like they're not catching up to speed. They're very arrogant and thinking that they don't need to put a good case together and bring a good defense. So Judge McFarland out of Ohio did an injunction and they just appealed it yesterday, I believe. And they want him to answer by the 19th because they're telling him that his injunction is preventing them from deploying 10,000 troops. And it's like, no, you're actually the ones who are preventing you from deploying 10,000 troops. Um, but they're trying to blame him and they want him to, I don't know if they appealed it to the appeal court or if they're just appealing it to the judge. I'm not sure what avenue they're taking, but they're appealing it. They're going to keep fighting it. And what they want is they want to be allowed to continue kicking people out, like going through the process and getting them through their TAPS classes, through their final medical appointment and through their boards. So when you're in over six years, you get to have a board um, where they meet and decide, you know, if you should be kicked out or be retained and they want to push. And this is like financially a lot of money because they have to spend a lot of money on these judges and fly them all around the or these um, lawyers and fly them all around the country to go to these boards. It takes a lot of time and they want everybody who's resisting to be all the way up through their board waiting for a kickout date. They want to still be able to do everything up to that point while this is being litigated. And what's the name of this court or this court case? Um, I believe it is Doster v. Austin. Okay. Hunter Doster v. Austin. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put that in the link of um or the the description too. And uh, I mean, so you said the 19th, so that's coming up. <laughs> that's yeah, so they want the days. judge. I believe that they said they wanted the judge to respond. Um, I don't think they sent it up to the appeal court yet, but don't quote me on that. They might have. Um, okay. I know they were originally appealing because this court started, this case started back in March and the judge had given 18 plaintiffs a preliminary injunction. Um, and I believe they were appealing that. And then in the meantime, he has extended it to all of the air force okay so right now my my husband is hitting um 18 years here in a few weeks and like we don't know what's going to happen as far as if he's going to get to retirement or if some lawyer said that this will be litigated for quite a long time and and would he have to stay in the military if that's the case like would he have to in order to get retirement um would the idea be that he he should just stay there until this case is finally litigated and and finished? Probably, which because they're not PC, like they're not PCSing. PCS is a permanent change of station, so that's when they move you. Um, yeah. So I don't know. You know, when the injunction happened, he thought maybe he could get it, get his job back, go back to working. Um, but they haven't really decided what to do with him. And I'm just like, I don't know if he can do two years of just wandering around, um, you know? 
Yeah. It's like when you've, you've gone on seven deployments and you've TDY'd and you've just gone, gone, gone. And then you're just sitting around doing literally nothing. Um, it's, it's been a long nine months of just sitting around doing nothing. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, it'd we'll be nice definitely... if you could get college tuition, you know, maybe work <laughs> on his degree. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely follow the case and I'm sure we're going to have to do another update here soon because um, that's, so it's the 17th is when we're recording it. Um, if, mm-hmm. if he needs to answer by the 19th, we might have yeah. some new developments soon. Update. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of where we are. We're just like waiting and everybody's deconstructing their, some of their political beliefs on And it's just kind of been an interesting year. Like I said last year, everybody just wanted to finish their jobs and finish what they started and stay in. And now I would be hard pressed to think of one person I've talked to who says, yes, I want to stay in or I want my husband to stay in. Everybody's ready to move on. Um, The only reason people are fighting, the only reason people are fighting is because it's the right thing to do. And all these people who have held the line, they take their oath to the Constitution very seriously. And, you know, if you get in the Facebook comments, people, you know, say, what religion, you know, doesn't, you know, you can't take a vaccine, blah, blah, blah. I could pull any number of the hundreds of, you know, tens of thousands of people who are holding the line and routed a religious accommodation and sit them down with anyone. And if they explained exactly what, you know, you don't have to explain your religious beliefs, but if they sat there and told the person why they're holding the line, I know they would change that person's mind on the situation because not one single person is just, I don't want to get the shot. I have never heard that as the reason, like, I don't want to get the shot. Like these people are willing to die for their country. Um, so it's far deeper than just a shot. Their convictions are very firm. And I'm just really proud of everybody. We have endured awful discrimination, awful treatment, and nothing has happened. Everyone's just stronger for it. Everyone's backbone is a little bit straighter. Um, And, you know, they thought they would wear us down. They're offering, they assume that everybody is like protesting the the use of testing on fetal cells or using fetal cells in the vaccine. They assume it's all Catholic people who don't want, you know, that's their objection. And, and that's actually one of the very, it's, it's one of the objections people have to it, but it's not the only one. And it's definitely what I would say, not even the most prevalent one um, or reason. So it's just very tone deaf that leadership thinks that if they offer Novavax to people, that it solves all the problems because it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem at all. So that's currently what they're doing in the Air Force is the injunction happened. And now they have gotten the FDA to authorize Novavax and they're trying to push that because it, they say it doesn't have ties to aborted fetal cells. Um, but I don't think their plan is going to work very well because I don't know anyone who's doesn't have a very strong backbone after this year. Yeah. And your, your point about the, the first amendment is, uh, very important there and, and freedom of religion. I think really what it gets, gets at is, uh, freedom of conscience and, and how, mm-hmm. um, even if you couldn't point to somewhere in, in, um, some religion, uh, 
we the, the first amendment really is expressing something about not wanting to violate people's conscience and i mean mm -hmm. i could point to places in the bible and in, in christianity where it says not to violate your your conscience um so that that's just mm -hmm. one example but um yeah just to wrap up if you have any more more thoughts um please finish with uh whatever you want to say and then um wherever people can find you you can also provide your information so people can get in contact uh well with... i'm still a little incognito because yeah. i don't you know i've got kids <laughs> <laughs> um so i still recommend people follow military freedom keepers on instagram they're really good about pushing information out they are really looking for army plaintiffs in the middle district of florida right now um, to get the army case up and going um, they've got the Coast Guard case up and going, so the Army is the last. And we really need plaintiffs who are either from or registered to vote or stationed in middle district counties in Florida because they um, have a, a good judge, it's a good district, and they're going to get a case going. And that case is with Liberty Council, which um, the cases that need donations, Liberty Council, First Liberty Institute, those are nonprofit relig religious organizations whose sole purpose is to defend religious liberty. So they are nonprofits. They would welcome donations. They have active cases. First Liberty Institute, Liberty Council. Um, follow them also on social media platforms because they are often posting about the military um, fight that's happening. There is another case going on. It is with Dale Saran. He is the man who litigated the anthrax case, and he's the man who won that. And he has a giant case going on right now that is arguing the legality of the mandate in itself. And I know he would welcome donations as well because, um, you know, he's got, I think he's got like a thousand plaintiffs on this case. And his case um, entails people who got the shot, who felt duped, who felt like they were tricked and they thought it was FDA approved and it wasn't. He has people who took one shot and were injured and weren't allowed a medical exemption. Um, and then he has, you know, a bunch, a bunch of people who are just fighting the legality of it. So Dale Saran, and I will send you, you know, all these people's information. And I just want to say how proud I am of everybody. Um, I'm so proud of my husband. And it's like, while people are kind of deconstructing a lot of their belief systems over the last year and, you know, what has happened, what, what, why did we get into this position? Why are we where we are? I'm just still so proud of my husband and I'm proud of everything he's done in the military. He has um, always loved what he did. And his job was primarily helping make personal recovery plans. So if somebody was shot down or somebody was injured, you know, that they, they were trained on how to get themselves safely home. Um, and so I'm just proud of what he's done. And even though I'm not proud of how it's going to end, you know, if he's kicked out or whatever, I'm not very proud of that, but that's not on him. You know, that was he he did exactly what he swore he would do and that was defend the constitution so i'm just so proud of him it's not been easy it's not easy to think that 18 years of your life is kind of going to just be washed down the drain um by people getting away with illegal and illegal acts but i'm just really 
proud of everybody who is just stood up and said, nope, we're not taking part in this. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the easy thing, which is just, you know, roll over or, or retire quietly, or, you know, if you could, um, because whatever happens here is going to be left to our children. And if we don't fight, it's just going to be handed down to them and it'll be worse and messier. So the laws are there and you just need to hold people to them and you have to be willing to hold people to them. Well, thank you so much, Danny, again, for an amazing podcast and um, just for all the work you do, the research, uh, it's very easy to interview you because you provide so many notes ahead of time. And um, it's just amazing how much work you put into this and in, in time. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, it is your life. So you kind of have to be aware of all of this. So um, please keep doing what you're doing. And um, I, I just thank you for holding the line and encouraging other people too. And uh, I just wish you all the best luck and um, I'll be praying for you and I hope others do too. And, and, and for anyone who's listening, please boost this episode um, as well as the previous episode and share this to whoever uh, you know will be interested, um, whoever can donate, whoever can um, get a voice out there. Uh, definitely get this word um, spread i think anywhere on on the political spectrum you should you should be concerned about yeah. this issue if if we can get that whistleblower report shared to the armed service committee um like i said i don't know how much they can do at this point because we've called them so much but the more you know as midterms approach like the more representatives that will really sit down and take a look at this and really read it because we've been squawking this from the rooftops and nobody's really kind of wanted to touch it and I think it's really a good summary of what we've been doing for the last 12 months. Yeah. And and I think people really underestimate the amount of pressure simply just calling your representative, calling their office does. If, if you get a few people just to do that regularly, um, they mm -hmm. start to notice. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would encourage everyone to do that. Share this on social media. Yeah. And reach out yeah, to all of and these I organizations. Just would love, I would love to see civilians calling because we are tired. We are so tired. Um, all of the military, all the spouses, all the people holding the line, like we are exhausted. And when we have been calling and knocking on the door and beating on the door and nothing is happening, we're just running out of steam. And honestly, a lot of us have just given up in our re representatives. Um, I don't even remember the last time I tried calling Senator Danes um, because the door has just been closed. And so it's just too exhausting for me when I'm dealing with this all day long. My husband's dealing with this all day long. The last thing we want to do is call somebody who's going to blow us off yes. so it'd just be really great if other people could kind of pick up pick up the torch and carry it for us for a little bit because we are tired yeah danes is very difficult to get in touch with um his voicemail is always off it doesn't take any messages um but i think you should be able to get in touch with him over email but definitely call rosendale and tester because tester uh brands himself as uh being for the veterans being for um, people serving in the military and you know this is an issue that he should pick up then and and rosendale has been pretty good on on a lot of things yeah rosendale so. has um i've seen him co-sign and co-sponsor a lot of good bills um but we did one congressional co inquiry with him and it
it was just canned responses. And then the second one, we reached out to do another one and they basically said, sorry, we can't help you at that point. So I just don't know, you know, it's very hard to navigate within the system because it's so broken at this point and everybody has invested interest and um, it's very hard to get traction. It's incredibly hard to get traction. Yeah. Well, so if you are listening to this podcast, please um, do everything we just said, donate to any of those organizations. I'll link to all of that in the description. Um, and then call your representative and uh, share this episode around. I, I really appreciate you, Danny, for for coming Thank on you. again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and being brave enough to speak out um, and, and just consistently research and stay on top of this. Thank you again. Thank you so much.